Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you. Come and grab your seats, please. What we've got this morning is we've got the second part of our More, More, More series, which we started last week when myself and my wife Melanie spoke um, and introduced that. If you missed that, please just catch up so you kind of give a context with where we're going. And the series was born out of something we felt God speak to us about at the beginning of the year, something we've been pursuing, and that is that we want more of Jesus for ourselves. We want to see more of him. We want to see more of his kingdom come through us. And as a result of that, we want to then see more people meet Jesus for themselves so they get to know him too. And so we introduced that last week. If you missed it, catch up. This week, we've got Joe and Anna. They're going to come and speak to us. They're going to share some of their experiences of what they've been doing this year in terms of training, also how that's been outworking their lives. So I'd love you to be ready to take some notes, listen to what they've done for God to impact you and for you to be encouraged to seek God uh, for more. So can we welcome Joanna, Anna, please? Okay, good morning, Real Life Church. So I'm Joe and this is Anna. We have been at Real Life Church for nine years and we have been married for the last five. So I'm a physics teacher and Anna is a community occupational therapist. We love eating out together and going to the cinema. Um, We've also been on loads of brilliant holidays together. Our most visited place is Disneyland. Um, But most of all, we love God. We love running after him together and we love hearing his voice. So for the last nine months, we have been on a training course together, which is based in Bedford. So we go there every Thursday night, and we've also done some Saturdays. So the course has been running for the last 10 years, and it is called TSM, which stands for Training for Supernatural Ministry. So a typical night on this course, we would worship, we would listen to teaching, we spend time talking about our walk with Jesus, we have read lots of books, and we do lots of activities and practice growing in our gifting. One of the other important parts of the course is doing outreach, where we go out into town with the aim of just loving, blessing, and encouraging the people that we speak to there. TSM was started by an incredible lady called Wendy Mann, with the aim of equipping Christians to live out their calling to see the kingdom of God break out in their day-to-day lives. We've had so much fun going on this journey over the past nine months of understanding that the supernatural life Jesus modelled can be and should be a normal life for every believer. And Stuart and Melanie have asked us just to share a bit of that with you this morning. So we've learned a load of tools and techniques in order to help us live out this supernatural lifestyle that Anna has just mentioned. But the best thing about the course that we found this year was getting a fresh revelation from God on our identity as his beloved sons and daughters. And what we're going to talk about this morning basically all comes from this place of knowing our identity as beloved sons and daughters. Uh, When we align our thinking with what God... Sorry. Sorry, it's me. Uh, So so the author, Phil Wilfew, uh, we've read one of his books, he says that the the purpose of the cross is not just the forgiveness of sins, but the adoption of sons. So if you are saved, if you are a Christian, then you have been adopted into God god's family you are a beloved child of god that is a complete change of identity so god now sees you like he sees his son as one who is perfect blameless and righteous so your old sinful self was crucified with christ and buried with christ and you are now literally 
a brand new creation. Not just a better version of your old self, but a brand new creation. That is a complete change of identity. And it is true of you because God says that it is true of you as a Christian. And we have learnt the importance of changing our thinking. So that's what repentance means, to change the way you think, to line up with what the Bible says is true of us as Christians, to think as beloved sons and daughters. So when we align our thinking up with what God says is true of us, then we start to behave in that way. So for example, if we think that we're a sinner, then we probably will sin. But if we truly believe that we are a saint, then that is the way that we will start to act. And the stories we have come from a place of understanding that because of what Jesus has done for us, we are fully accepted and we don't have to do any of this stuff to try and earn his acceptance. We get to live from a place of acceptance, not for it. When Jesus was baptized, we read that a voice speaks out from heaven. um, This is my beloved son, Jesus's identity, and then affirms him in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't started his ministry at this point, but like the father did for Jesus, he speaks out our identity and our destiny before we have done anything. Our identity affirms us and it's not based on anything we have done. It is completely based on the finished work of Jesus at the cross. And we are his beloved. Revelation of this in our hearts and not just in our heads enables us to take risks for him without worrying that it affects our place in God's family. This is the outworking of being a son or a daughter of God. We can trust in his goodness and in his faithfulness. And this gives us courage to take risks and to step out for Jesus. One big part of our TSM journey has been learning to love, love people really well. As sons and daughters, we have an abundant, we have a father, sorry, who loves us with an abundant and an endless love. And when we understand our identity in him and what we've received from him as his beloved, it enables us to pass this on to other people by loving them really well. So we've been asked to think, what does love look like for this person or how can I become love to the people I meet? So for example, if I see a homeless person and I buy them a sandwich and I smile at them, that person is receiving a touch of God's love and people who've received a touch from heaven will never be the same again. One thing God's really spoken to me about this year is the fact that I am already loved and living from a place of being already loved rather than from a place of trying to earn God's love has brought me so much freedom and joy. So the Great Commission given to us by Jesus tells us to go out and make disciples. And for many years, I held this as my primary calling from God. But I was reminded this year of the story where somebody asks Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus says, to love God and to love others. And God just really spoke to me and he said, no, your calling is not to go make disciples. Your calling is to love, to love God and to love others. And in Corinthians, it says, without love, if we do anything without love, we're just like a clanging symbol. And so whatever our calling, whatever our sense of destiny that God has for us, we need to do it out of a context of love, full of the Father's compassion for people. Really, it counts for nothing if we're not doing things out of love. So when we love others well, we extend the kingdom of God. So sometimes I think it can be easy to think like, 
the kingdom of God is only extended when we see salvation or when we see healing. But the kingdom of God is extended simply by loving other people. He is love and he is in you. So when you pass that on to others, you extend the kingdom of God. So if you're kind to someone, you extend God's kingdom. If you encourage someone, if you pray for someone, if you are generous towards someone, you extend the kingdom of God. So in summary of everything we've just said, when we know that we are beloved sons and daughters, we are able to love others well, and in doing that, we extend the kingdom of God towards those people. And we've got a load of stories now where we're going to talk about how we've tried to put this into practice. Another key theme of the course has been encouragement. So Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Therefore, when we encourage other people, we get to create life and speak destiny over them. So when we speak over others, it should be encouraging. But this should also be true of what we speak over ourselves. Our words that we say about ourselves should be full of encouragement and truth. As sons and daughters, when we properly understand how much God loves us, we therefore can understand how much he loves others. And this then motivates encouragement. When we're secure in our identity, it enables us to be able to honour other people well. And as Christians, we should be deliberately trying to find the treasure in every person that we meet and speak it out. Social media is such a brilliant place for us to practice encouragement. So in a society that tells us it's okay to criticise politicians or to say things about people we would never normally say to their face, social media gives sons and daughters of God a platform to be influential for his kingdom by being over-the-top encouraging in what we say. I've actually always enjoyed encouraging people, but since doing TSM, the place where I've been encouraging people from has completely changed. I've had revelation of who I am in Christ and so much encouragement from my father. And I'm now encouraging people out of a place of understanding that I am valuable and therefore they are valuable too. It's been fun for me to do this with some of my patients and with my colleagues. Um, So just one example, I've got, I had a patient who is hoisted out of bed from her bed into a chair and I went out with a colleague to hoist her and um, I said to my colleague as we were starting, oh, we better raise the bed before we do anything, otherwise we'll hurt our backs and make ourselves good for nothing. Well, my patient turned to me and she said, well, I'm already good for nothing and something just rose up inside of me and I said to her, no, you are valuable and just started encouraging her and... um, I remembered that her son is an excellent carer. And I said to her, your son is an excellent carer. You must have done an amazing job as a mother. And her face just lit up and she said, I I am. I'm an amazing mother. Um, Another thing I've tried here is just writing um, words of encouragement for our kids. Um, So I've just written them out during the week, given them out at the end of kids, and hoped that God will put them in the right hands. Um, I've also just tried putting messages on their water cups that they drink out of in the morning. So I've taught over 100 year 11 students this, this year, and that is a lot of kids to have influence with on a daily basis. Now, I obviously try and love and bless them in the way that I teach them, but this year I just wanted to do something additional to try and encourage them and bless them. So what I did, I did cards of encouragement, and I handed these out to each student, so over 100 of them, in their revision folders. And what I wrote in those cards were just personalised words of encouragement, talking about their giftings and their abilities. So one student... Um, 
I just said, you've got an excellent brain for physics, and I also really love your artwork. Like Hannah said, there is a power in our words, and what this does is draws out all the good things that God has put in people and draws out the, the person that God has made them to be. So just this small thing has extended God's kingdom in the classroom. So, as sons and daughters, we have an abundantly generous daddy. He provides for our every need. So, Jesus gave his whole life as a sacrifice for us. And if we're going to be Jesus to the people around us, then we too need to be a generous people. It extends God's kingdom. So, one thing I've been stirred to do this year has been to give money to the homeless, um, Anna is much better than me at this. So what I would do if I pass a homeless person, maybe buy them some food or get them a coffee. Um, However, I do find it difficult to to part with my cash sometimes. Um, And like I say, Anna's a lot better at at me than that. So what I decided to do, because I wanted to be generous, was put money aside in a separate account. So I always had it there available. And this was just a helpful thing for me to do in my weakness, because I know that then I've already made the decision to be generous when faced with that decision. Another fun thing that Anna and I have done this year, we scrolled through each other's phone books and we just picked someone completely at random and decided that we were going to be generous towards that person and got them a gift and sent them some words of encouragement. On another occasion, we were out in Sutton Coldfield and we passed some paramedics who'd broken down in their ambulance. We got them a Costa voucher and we just said, go and get yourself some lunch with it. We were able to pray with them and we prophesied over them and we just told them what a great job they were doing. Psalm 85 verse 5 says that God made people and crowned them with glory and with honour. Therefore, all people are worth our generosity. One day I was in Costa and I bought a voucher for the guy who was behind me and gave it to him to pay for his coffee. And he kind of said to me, what have I done to deserve that? So I was able to say to him, I'm a Christian. I just want to love and bless you. And we also got an opportunity to encourage him and to prophesy over him as well. This year, God stirred me about going the extra 10%. So, for example, if I was going to buy a homeless person a coffee, I'm asking God, God, what is the extra 10% here? So it might be that God says to me, well, buy them lunch and buy them something for their dinner later as well, or sit with them a while, or pay for a night in the hostel for them. I've done like really simple things as well, like taking my boss's favorite biscuits into work and buying flowers for the lady who served me in Tesco's. One morning we had an opportunity to buy a Bible for a boy who'd been wanting one. Um, At the start of the year, God spoke to me and he said to me, there is more. And he has completely come through on his word. One evening at TSM, I had a picture of God cutting me a piece of pie. And um, the pie looked incredible. So I just said to God, would it be okay if I had a bit of a bigger piece? And God said to me, you can have the whole pie. Now, this is the generosity of God. He gives us everything, withholding nothing from us, even his only son. On the same night as the pie, we were encouraged to press in for more of God in worship. And I thought to myself, oh no, I've had loads from God already. There can't be any more. But press in we did. And I found myself laughing hysterically in the spirit, being filled with God's freedom and his joy. And what was actually even more significant for me was that I was bent over double, literally experiencing the weight of the presence of God. And I know following that, I will never be the same. But this is the generosity of God, isn't it? There is always more in him. And so that as his sons and daughters should always be more from us. 
So we're going to say a little bit now about some of the tools that we have learned. And really, these are just designed to be able to have conversations with people and get to that place where we can just love people more effectively. And they've been great to have a practice. So it's really important to be able to communicate the gospel clearly to people. I remember a preach a while back, it was Jeremy, and he was talking about the importance of actually communicating the gospel to people with words rather than just living it out through our actions and deeds. But how many of us would be really confident to deliver the gospel in a really clear and succinct way when given that opportunity? So Gospel in a Minute is a tool designed to help us to do this. So the aim is to try and communicate the gospel in one minute. So we found it helpful to break it down into five sections. So that's 12 seconds per section. So it would go something like, God loves people, sin broke the relationship, Jesus went to the cross, Jesus rose from the grave, and we need to respond to that. So we're going to have a go at modelling this now. So I'm me, and Anna is a work colleague. So hi Anna, how are you doing? Hi, Joe. How was your weekend? Yeah, great. Um, I just hung out on Saturday and went to church on Sunday. Oh, great. What do you believe? (laughs) Interesting you should ask that, Anna. Well, I believe that God loves people. He loves people, and he created people, and he created people to be in a relationship with him. And in the beginning, God had this perfect relationship with us. However, sin broke that relationship, and sin is anything we've ever done wrong. Okay, We've all sinned, and it breaks that perfect relationship with God. However, he loves us so much that he wanted us back, and this is why Jesus came. I believe that Jesus is God, and he came to earth as a man to die in our place for our sin. And what happened was that Jesus rose from the grave, and in doing that, he defeated sin. So the thing that had separated us from relationship with God, was fully dealt with by Jesus. So he enabled us to be able to get back to God. But we need to make a choice whether we're going to respond to that or not. That's what I've done. I've accepted Jesus into my life as my saviour. And because of that, he has forgiven my sin. And when he forgives our sins, we are able to get back into that relationship with God because he loves us so much. Smashed it. Gospel in a minute. So we practiced that every night over dinner for about a week. We just said, give me a gospel in a minute. And we just got better and better at it. And every now and again, we'll still just ask each other to give our gospel in a minute. So I was able to use it the other day I was up in co-op. I got talking to a guy. He was on the RSPB stand trying to get people to sign up. And I was chatting to him and I just felt God say to me, share your faith with him. At which point I said, no, not today. Thank you very much. Um, But then as I was talking to him, I just mustered up the courage to tell him that I was a Christian and could I share my faith with him. And what he said to me was, yes, absolutely, but I can only give you one minute because I'm on paid time. So that was a nice confirmation from God. Anyway, it went really well. And afterwards, he just said, that's really interesting. And we got to talk about faith for a bit. And I just left with so much joy that I had taken that opportunity to share my faith with him. Another tool that we've been taught is called the miracle question. So this is if you're chatting to someone, you can ask them the question, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? I think a lot of people generally have something going on in their lives that they could do with God's intervention on. And it just opens up opportunities to be able to pray with people, perhaps for God's provision. So the other day we were up at Tesco's. I felt God just saying, go and talk to that young lady sitting down outside there. We got her a coffee and we just got into a conversation and it led on to talking about God. And we were able to tell her we were Christians. 
I asked her the miracle question. It turned out that what God could do for her was provide a room for the night for her. And this was going to cost her £10. So we were able to just give her that money and just bless her in that way. Jesus always met people's needs. And so this tool is just one way of being able to work out what people need and seeing if we can pray for God's provision for them. Another thing we've tried is postcard prophecy, which is basically where you offer someone a postcard and they can choose one that they like or they can choose one at random. And then you basically just ask God, what would you like to say to this person through this postcard? Um, So we actually got to try it on the paramedics that Joe mentioned earlier. Um, I was also doing this on the streets in Bedford. So one day some lads came into our tent and one of them had a prophecy that was very accurate. And then his friend basically just wanted to go and get some lunch. He wasn't interested at all. But I encouraged him to stay. And I said to him, if you stay, it will be so worth it. So at this point, I'm then going to God, seriously, please give us something for this guy. But we prophesied over him. And at the end, he turned to me and he said, how did you know that about me? from a postcard and it was my privilege to be able to say to him I didn't know any of that about you but God knows you and he loves you and he cares about you I also got an opportunity to do it with a lady she picked a chick that had a ribbon around its neck and I felt like God was saying that her mum had tied ribbons in her hair when she went to school turns out her mother had and she was one of the few kids with ribbons in her hair I think her mum was German so I was able to just say to her that in the same way her mum had carefully done her hair every morning so God had carefully shaped her character and her giftings and everything that he'd put inside of her we really wanted to have a go at doing a postcard prophecy on someone today but unfortunately we don't have time but I've got my postcard so if you would like one at the end come see me and maybe you can have a go as well so i used this tool multiple times out on one day when we were out in bedford so just a couple of examples one guy drew a picture of a candle and i just felt god saying that he had had a bereavement in his family one year previous so it's like the candle was like the anniversary of it and he said yes And I just got to pray with him and just tell him that God loves him and knows his situation. Uh, We went up to a bunch of teenagers. There were three of them. We did postcard prophecy on each of them. And each time God just gave us accurate words of knowledge for those people. So one girl drew a postcard with tiny feet on it. And I just felt God saying, you're a dancer. She said yes. And we were able to just encourage her to keep using that gifting that God had put in her. What I really learned that day was just the kindness of God in giving us these words for people each time we did this and with so many people they would say the same thing that Anna was just saying they would say how did you know that about me and we were able to say well we knew that because God told us because he knows you and he loves you and he cares about you so everyone we spoke to just left really blessed and really encouraged I've seen this impact with loads of knowledge loads of times and so postcard prophecy is just a really useful tool to practice and grow uh, the gift of words of knowledge And if anyone is interested in trying out any of these things, then please do let me know because I would love to hear from you. One thing that God's put on my heart over the years is praying for the sick. So this year I've been asking for more of God's compassion for people when they are sick. So the other day I prayed for my neighbour. He was walking around outside with his leg in a cast, just prayed for him. I don't know the outcome yet, but I know that the kingdom of God was extended just by praying for him. Anna and I always pray for each other if we are sick. So twice Anna has had hiccups. I've just told them to go and they've instantly stopped in Jesus' name, which is quite a fun example. But if anyone was here a few weeks back when Anna shared the story about her leg growing, this was just incredible to watch. Actually standing there and seeing her leg extend when she was sitting quite still 
over a couple of minutes by about two centimetres. It just really raised my faith and has just really stirred me to carry on praying for the sick. And it's been helpful for us to just think about we are going to expect, when we pray for the sick, we are going to expect to see God heal them because we know that that is what he wants to do. We pray for a lady's wrist and it was um, causing her pain doing different tasks. She saw some improvement when we prayed for her, but it was so exciting a few weeks later because she came back and she'd been doing all of those tasks without any pain. I've prayed for many, many people at work, um, just laid hands on all sorts of different places where people are in pain. I've prayed for a Muslim interpreter's back and healing for colleagues over the phone. And in a previous job, I prayed for an ankle and it was miraculously healed. But in my current workplace, I haven't seen anyone healed. My colleagues have come back to me and said that they have felt loved following prayer. Heidi Baker is a missionary and she received a word from God that amongst other things, she would see the blind see in the nation of Mozambique. So she went out and prayed for 20 people, but none of them saw. So she continued to pray and after a year, God opened a lady's eyes. We need to be people who deal with disappointment well, because otherwise we can end up with unbelief instead of faith. This year, I've laid down my right to understand why sometimes people aren't healed. If we don't, oh sorry, disappointment tends to creep in if our expectations of God are not met. And if we don't process our disappointment well, then this can lead to us lowering our expectations of what we think God can do. This year, I've had to spend time processing disappointment um, from a healing that I prayed for for many years. It's brought freedom that for me to be able to trust that God is always doing something and to stand on the promises in his word as I continue to expect that I will see breakthrough in healing in my workplace. It's so important to process disappointment, even though it can be really painful. And it's something we should continue to do because I don't ever want disappointment to stop us from being useful in the kingdom of God. So one of the books that we have read this year that I would really recommend is called Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost. And in it, he talks about the implications of truly thinking and believing like we are beloved or as we are beloved children of God. If we really believe that our daddy is God, then that has massive implications for how we behave and the choices we make. So I realised this year that sometimes I was thinking a bit more like a spiritual orphan than as a beloved child of God. And so I had to repent of some things. And so it's been helpful for me to just... God has really helped me think about what repentance actually is. So it isn't just saying sorry. Repentance is changing my mindset. And he's helped me to change my mindset from thinking like a spiritual orphan to thinking like a beloved son of God. So things that I've repented of this year. So striving for acceptance from people. So I know that God already accepts me. And this has really helped me in the workplace to not care so much about people talking about behind my back and just being able to be myself. Not submitting to authority. So as a son of God, Jesus is my big brother and he is my ultimate role model. He came under the authority of his father in heaven. He also would have submitted to the authority of his earthly father. He would have had to forgiven him and move on many times. So I've chosen to do that in church, at work and with others, other areas of authority in my life. Serving out of a sense of 
duty and trying to earn something rather than out of the enjoyment of it. So I even felt like I was trying to use God to get what I wanted. If I do this for him, he'll do this for me, which is obviously utterly ridiculous. But I've realized that as a son of God, I can do these things out of a sense of pleasure and delight rather than trying to earn something. I can have relationship for the sake of having relationship and the enjoyment of it. Comparing myself to others. So as a son of God, I know that I don't need to compare myself to other people because God made me to be me. You will get the most enjoyment and freedom out of being the most you that you can be because God made you to be you. So that can only be a good thing and it is his best for you. So stop trying to be someone else and start trying to be yourself. Yeah, I found that book brilliant as well. And TSM has just shown me that I had been living without making the most of all the things that I have access to as a daughter. So I was living um, full of self-reliance with few friends and, to be honest, mostly a lack of really deep friendship. I was full of spiritual ambition. I was wanting to be the best for God and striving to impress God and to try and impress other people. I felt like I wasn't enough and I was also really tired of trying to be enough. My emotions were very guarded and I was fearful of what others thought and not really fully understanding what God thought. But God has done an amazing work in me over the last nine months. I now feel released to lead and to be who I was made to be. I'm having so much fun using my spiritual gifts and I feel like I'm able to be more open with my emotions. I'm living full of gratitude and I'm now able to acknowledge my need for other people and for their friendship. I felt so challenged by what someone said that if we go out as orphans, we bring people back into an orphanage. But if we go out as sons and daughters, we get to bring people back to a family. And that is what I so want is for other people to know the love of the father and to become his sons and daughters. TSM has been a great place for us to practice our prophetic gifts. Um, In the Bible, it says that we will all prophesy. In Acts, Peter reminds the people that God has said he will pour out his spirit on all people and their sons and daughters will prophesy. We are those who get to prophesy. Isaiah 61 says that we have been anointed to bestow upon people a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And I believe that this is what happens when people are encouraged via the prophetic gift. So on outreach, we've been out prophesying over people and when we've heard what God has said and declared it over people what he thinks of them and who he has made them to be the change in their faces and in their attitudes has just been incredible what God asks though is for our obedience the outcome is his responsibility and when it goes well is his success he celebrates us when we're obedient. So even when I'm so nervous, all I can manage is, you know, God really loves you. I'm already loved and I'm already celebrated by my father. One um, evening we were praying for a lady who didn't know which church she should be going to. And I had a word for her about a compass. And she said that actually the church she'd been going to was called Compass Church. See, God is so good and he knows us so well. And God has done a lot in me in terms of my identity and the prophetic this year. So I used to bring something and then go back to my seat and I would analyze what I would said and I would start an internal criticism of myself and I would wonder what people had thought of it. 
But actually, God's really challenged me that the most important thing is what he thinks. So I've now started going back to my seat and saying, Father, what do you think? And sometimes he'll tell me, but sometimes I don't actually hear anything. But I'm filled with peace and able to worship without fear of what others think. One evening um, before TSM, I had a dream that someone prophesied something over me. And then at TSM, the following evening, they prophesied over me that exact thing. And this lady also brought an unusual word to um, describe me and encourage me and call out my destiny. And what she didn't know was that that exact same phrase had been used in my teenage years in a mean and derogatory way. You see, God has done so much in me via the prophetic to call out my identity and to set me free and to remove the ashes and to crown me with beauty. So a couple of things in the prophetic. We went up to some girls and I felt God give me a word of knowledge saying uh, that she loved to sing, but that she'd spoken over herself that she was no good at singing. And she said, yeah. And she said, it turns out my mother always told me I was a terrible singer. And so we were able to just say, that is not how God sees you and just encourage her to keep using her gifting. God speaks to me in dreams quite a lot. It's all through the Bible, having prophetic dreams. I brought a word of knowledge that I've been given in a dream one Sunday here. The lady who responded to it, it was accurate and it really blessed her. And God's given me dreams where we've gone to different locations, telling us who to speak to there. And we've spoken to people and had really, really good conversations. So I would encourage you, if you feel like God has spoken to you in a dream, then it might be a word of knowledge. Share it with someone and ask God for more. I've had accurate prophetic stuff spoken to me over me week on week at TSM. Loads and loads of stuff. So one guy had a picture of a Newton's Cradle, which is a physics toy. He had no idea I was a physics teacher, and he was able to just speak life out of it for me. And one lady did the postcard prophecy on me, and she prophesied promotion at work. And about three days later, I got that promotion. So God has just been so faithful with what he has said. So... As sons and daughters, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So in the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt in the temple, but the New Testament says we are the new temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and we get to enjoy relationship with the Holy Spirit. We get to partner with him and enjoy him in the same way that Jesus did. So Jesus operated from a place of listening to the Holy Spirit and being obedient to what the Holy Spirit was saying. So you see him wiping mud in the eyes of someone when he heals them. He interacted with different people in different ways at different times. This is because he was doing what the Holy Spirit was saying. Now, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did for us at the cross, because of the new identities we have... We now occupy Jesus' place in the Trinity. We occupy his place in the Trinity in terms of the new relationship we now have with the Father and the relationship that we now have with the Holy Spirit, which is an amazing inheritance. What a great inheritance. That is our inheritance as sons and daughters. And if we're going to have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit that Jesus had, then we too need to listen to his voice and be obedient to what he is asking us to do. Now, sometimes this can be really scary and it puts us right out of our comfort zone. But we have found that taking steps of courage in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, God has just been so faithful with it. And if you're sitting there thinking, I can never do that because it's so scary, I would just say that being out of your comfort zone is the best place to be because that's the place where you're no longer operating in your own strength, but God has to come in and act. So I would encourage you to take steps of 
courage if you feel that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. We found it helpful to think of it in terms of taking 10 seconds of courage and breaking through that fear barrier if we feel like the Holy Spirit is asking us to do something. So for example, I felt God was asking me to get up on a wall and just preach the gospel in the middle of a crowded town center. So I did it. Now I don't know if I'd necessarily do it again and I don't necessarily think it's the best way of getting the gospel message across. However, that wasn't really the point. The point was that I was doing what I felt the Holy Spirit had asked me to do. It was pushing through and taking those 10 seconds of courage. Another time I was on a train and I felt like God saying, speak to the people behind you. And I said, right, what do you want me to say, God? And the only phrase he gave me was jelly beans. I was like, okay. So I said to these people, excuse me, this is going to sound really weird, but do any of you like jelly beans? And they basically wet themselves laughing at me for about three minutes and the whole train carriage heard and I was really embarrassed. And at that point, it was then that I took the comfort of knowing that my God still loves me. However, I then got a bit of banter going with them. And God just dropped this word of knowledge into my head and said, one of them has got sickness in their family. And I said, have you got a sick family member? And the girl said, yes, my granddad has cancer. And I said, can I pray for that? And she said, yes. And the spiritual dynamic just completely changed at that point. And you could see it on their faces. And she was just so thankful and appreciative that I'd got to pray for that situation. And that never would have happened if I hadn't taken those 10 seconds of courage. We were out in Sutton the other night. Now, sometimes I get words of knowledge during worship times called sympathetic pain, where I feel a pain in my body where God wants to heal somebody else. And I've seen people healed a few times in this way. Haven't really taken it outside the four walls of the church much. So we're out eating dinner. I had this unusual pain in my back. And I just said to the waiter, do you have a pain in your back? He said no on this occasion. And I basically just wimped out of the rest of the conversation. However, God looks at, he doesn't look at the results, he looks at our obedience. And I was just so happy that I'd taken that first step of obedience. And I definitely want to do it again. And it's just got me thinking about how I might steer that conversation in future. Basically, the whole of TSM has been a courage journey for me. I literally felt sick on the way on the first time. Um, and so I'm just asking Jesus for courage before doing pretty much everything. And like Joe said, it's just 10 seconds is all it takes. Um, I went into a post office to send some sweets to one of our real life kids who was having a bit of a tough time. And the lady, like they always do, asked me what's in your parcel. So I told her it's some sweets. And she said, oh, I've never had sweets in the post. And I just felt so full of compassion for her. And I felt God asking me to go back with some sweets so I wrapped some sweets up in a ribbon and put a note of encouragement with them and it took 10 seconds of courage to just walk in and give her the sweets and she said she'd had a rubbish day and the sweets just turned that day around if we say yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit at that point we will be in God's will which is the very best place to be even though it does sometimes feel a bit scary um, so to finish, when we, pl- when we love people well, we are plowing the ground and getting it ready for God to sow the seeds. When we know that our identity is in Jesus and he is in us, we know that when we walk into a room, God walks into a room. And God is love and we are made in God's image. So we get to become love to the people that we meet. One of my colleagues said that she felt no one noticed her. So it was brilliant to be able to love and encourage her in the moment. But the next day, leave flowers on her desk with an anonymous note saying how appreciated she is. 
I also work in Birmingham driving to see patients and often there are people at the traffic lights asking for money. At one particular set there's these girls and they run in and out of the traffic washing windscreens and I just feel so much compassion for them. So what I did, I packaged up some drinks, some snacks, some ham warmers because it was winter, a bookmark saying that God loves them and just put tags on them saying you're amazing, you're valuable, you're noticed and then gave them out. One day I gave one to one girl she told her friend and her friend came running across the traffic to also get one of the bags and love is such a basic language it's recognized by everyone and so it's so simple and easy to love others well so next time I'm out in Sutton I will often see pupils in McDonald's so I'm just going to buy them a round of McFlurries if I see pupils in McDonald's we were in there the other day we saw one guy to be honest he just looked like he could do with a good chat and we just sat down with him we bought him a meal and we blessed him in that way that's what love looked like for him that day in school in the past I have handed out sweets and chocolate on, um, on the birthdays of the people in my form. But like Anna says, how can I go the extra 10% on that? What else can I do? So my plan now is to do cards of encouragement for them and read them out to the form group, which is probably going to make them cringe at first. But deep down, I know that they will really appreciate that I have called out the giftings and the good things that God has put in them. There's someone in my form who did an assembly on being kind. She ran it all herself because she'd been bullied. And off the back of it, what I want to do is get the kids to just write cards of encouragement for their teachers and just put them in the teacher's pigeonholes. So my challenge for you is to think of one thing you could do in your sphere of influence, wherever that is, one thing you could do to extend God's kingdom of love, kindness and joy this week and see if you can do it this week. So we're going to draw things to a close there. If the band would like to come back up. Uh, We have set up an email address, which is probably going to be on the screen in a moment. So we would love if people have any stories like this, or you try some stuff, or you've got stories of healing, or stories of things that God has done, we would love it if you can just email the church to the email address that is up there, because we'd love to start collecting stories of all the things that God has done. So please do feel free to do that. What we're going to do now, we are going to worship Jesus. We are just going to fix our eyes on him. The last thing I'm going to say is all this stuff, it's not about tools and techniques. It's about loving Jesus. It's about falling more in love with Jesus. It's about loving him. It's about pursuing him and seeing what happens as a result. So we are going to worship him now because he is so worthy. Thanks, Anna. Let's stand together then.